I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, today we are talking about the season finale of season two of Leverage, the Maltese Falcon job. I am beyond excited to see what you thought about this one, Beth. So, what did you think? Okay, I have so, so, so many thoughts. Okay, yep. I'm going to give you, we're going to we're gonna have a pick your own adventure. Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. okay. So, do you want to hear about what I thought of the situation with Nate? Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what I thought about the episode in general? Do you want to know what made me so angry about Supernatural? Those are the three categories of thought that I have about this episode. <laughs> okay. I think let's start with the supernatural stuff so that we can get, get it out, out of the way. way. And then hopefully it will cure you of your brain. <laughs> okay. I'm, this is Destiel specific. So mm-hmm. you are not up to the no. thing yet, but it's not. It's fine. You will. You already know basically the basis of it and if anyone listening does not care about supernatural does not care about destiel specifically i would encourage you to skip ahead the next couple of minutes Mm -hmm. because i'm about to be obnoxious so oh my god the whole concept of sophie and nate in this fucking episode made me want to scream just okay okay so nate calls Sophie Mm -hmm. and she can't hear him. There's interference. She can't fucking hear him. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because of the interference. Okay. That's the scene. And then Nate is talking about how he needs her. It's not about the team. It's not about everyone. It's about him and he he needs her. In fact, we get I need you specifically, right? Anyone who has seen Supernatural knows where I'm going with this. I wrote down the quote. I need you, not the team, me. Not for a con. I don't know who I am anymore. I need you to tell me when I'm going too far and you've always been my compass. Thanks. I care about you more than you'll ever know and I love you. Except but he can't, he can't say. It. So you're fucking telling me there's an I need you followed by an aborted I love you in a situation where he's trying to get through to her and she can't hear him because of the fucking interference. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm so upset. I I literally, my note is says, an aborted I love you. Are you fucking with me right now? In literally all caps. And then, oh, my God. And then we get the line where Nate's like, Sophie. And she's like, he's like, you came back. And she's like, you needed me. And I was like, I swear to fuck. If she had said anything along the lines of you called or we had an appointment or any, I would have burst into tears. I cannot begin to explain to you how much this fucked me up. Watching this play out on screen, knowing that this is being done for a canonically actual, like, actually acknowledged canonically romance plot made me want to throw things. Because I was like, this is word for word. This is shot for fucking shot. And then they kissed at the end of the episode and I was livid. Because ten fucking years, Jamie, ten years, I... So do you ship Nofi? I not as much as I I am more emotionally invested in this based on the fact that it's so Destiel and that makes yeah. me so upset mm-hmm. that I am in the fact about Nate and Sophie. However, okay, I got it out. Okay. I yep. got it out. Let me just catch just, your breath again. Yeah, and then I will come back to you. That's it. If anyone mm-hmm. did not want to hear about me freaking out about supernatural or Destiel, I promise that is all I had to get out. How'd I do for time? Like five minutes. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Okay. Five minutes. One and done. While right. we're talking about Sophie and Nate, though. Yes. I, I won't talk about anything else now. It's just leverage, I promise. We also get the ending scene of the episode in which she literally goes, you called me, you told me you need me, and then you go and do this. Yeah. And she slaps him. And I love her. <laughs> she is an icon. And also... You remember how at the start of the season I was saying Annie Croy is one of my favourite Sophie aliases? Mm-hmm. We get Annie Croy. Mm-hmm. And I love Annie Croy. And I also love just the drama of the entire ending scene. Like, it was so unnecessary. The fact that none of them know he's shot. Mm-hmm. 
For as perceptive as all of them are, none of them fucking notice he's holding his side like that. If you notice, you can see it. When he gets shot, you see it. Mm. Like, if you actually watch the episode, like, I don't know if you may have been taking a note. Did Did you notice when he gets shot? I noticed he was being shot at. I didn't notice that he was hit until they reveal it. Yeah. So basically, you can actually, like, in the scene where he's getting shot at, you can see him, he sort of pauses. He goes, like, he, mm. it's like a... Yeah. And then he is like, not. Nah, he, he shoves his hand there and he continues... Bleeding you'll miss it type. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it's like, if you are watching closely enough, you could probably spot, spot the moment where he gets shot. Because it is certainly there yeah. in the acting. It's not like it's just a big dramatic reveal with nothing. And then he's sort of holding his side for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he does the, the, the you know, the, the hand, look at the hand, the blood on the hand, and then puts it back. And then he collapses and he says the thing that is the culmination of this entire season's plot line, which is, my name is Nathan Ford and I am a thief. And I love that. I also love the maniacal laughter immediately after. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's insane. Love this that. man is doing it all for the drama. Mm-hmm. All of it is for the drama. He doesn't, it's, if it's not for the drama, he's not doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. And he's talking about how the team of the, like, he's like, you are the most honorable people I've ever met. Which is so and- interesting given the premise of the fucking show like Mm -hmm. given the whole point is that that they are criminals doing criminal stuff yeah like and it's that whole like honor among thieves thing Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it's so it's i did okay i did love the sentiment yeah i did think that the actual execution yeah, was a little. It's a little heavy-handed. Yeah, it's a little it heavy felt a little on like the corny side yeah. for me personally. But I did, I did like that he acknowledged that he was in fact a thief. Also, mm-hmm. um, I do. I know that I'm not usually the one to pick on the music choice, mm-hmm. but the music that they chose when they're doing the dramatic zoom out, it's I was lot. like, it's a bit much. It's a lot. It's a bit much. Like I, I really loved. I really, really loved that the point of that last scene, which was obviously Nate, like, accepting who he was, which is great because we've been, like you said, we were talking about this all season, like Maggie even pointed it out. And so it's really nice to have that, even if it took him getting shot to figure it out, like, and losing the team to figure it out. I really liked it, but I did think that the way it was presented was just, like, a little bit, yeah, heavy-handed is probably a good way to put it. That's just me nitpicking. Mm. That is, like, a personal preference. I do think it was maybe a little overdone. I think it could have yeah. maybe hit harder if the it was more understated. Like if that the concept com- is great, but mm-hmm. the execution is just a little bit heavy on the sort of like melodrama. Yeah, I feel like actually if they had had basically the same thing, but the zoom out instead of having that really like over the top music and stuff. Yeah. If they just had like the sound of the docks, like the waves and some maybe seagulls or something like. I just, I feel like for me personally, I may have actually appreciated it more because it's not about... Just like the sound of the helicopter getting away. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that it would have kept me more grounded in that situation rather than having it feel like a dramatic movie moment, you know? I think, yeah. Which, I mean, this all just comes back to Sterling's deal. Sterling's deal that he offers Nate in the apartment because he says he literally I wrote down the quote because like this episode is just some like kind of insane for the quote and well Sterling obviously starts out with your nipped and then he mm. says you forgot who you are and then he goes on to say about how they deserve to go down they're criminals thieves yeah exactly and you were right you're not a th- thief yeah and it's like no no no, he was right. And I, I fucking love the dynamic between Nate and Sterling so much. And it comes back to, like, what we were talking about last episode where I was saying that, like, I don't think either Nate or Sterling would ever fully throw the other under the bus. Mm-hmm. And, like, in this episode, we literally get Sterling being like, thanks for making it interesting, Nate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, because he loves this. They're literally, like, cat and mouse. Yeah. And they're just swapping between who is the cat and who is the mouse. Like, consistently neither of them is ever one for very long mm-hmm. it's just like they're both so good and they choose whether they're cat or mouse based on what's gonna like what's gonna be to their advantage yeah yeah and actually i literally think the only reason that the team ever bests sterling mm-hmm. is because sterling is one man and they have five of them yeah like nate has a crew yeah that he can actually trust yeah and who 
are competent. Yes. Sterling is dealing with people who do not understand the system that is happening. Like they don't understand what they and that do. Yeah, exactly. And like they don't understand why they're getting away with it. It is so funny to me that Sterling and Crowley are the same character. Like I don't forget to, like, that we literally get a quote in Supernatural where Crowley says something to the effect of, am I the only one who doesn't consistently underestimate those denim-clad buffoons or something to that effect? Like, it's it's definitely, yeah. you know, and so it's, yeah, it's the same thing. It's this concept of, like, Sterling is so acutely aware of how good these guys is, are and everything they're capable of. And so he knows is, that having two FBI details just at the door of the room is not fucking good enough. Mm-hmm. But how does he explain that to this FBI, yeah. like, the head of the operation, without going into all of this backstory about who the – and, you know, it's just or, – or giving too much information about what he knows and giving away his case details. Like, it's – He's playing such a fine line, and I'm like, my God, if Sterling had the resources that Nate has, yeah. oh, unstoppable force. Yeah. Like, and already at this point, it's like unstoppable force meets immovable object. If Sterling had the resources, Nate would be fucked. <laughs> like, I, oh my God. I will say, though, that Crowley quote is incredibly interesting, considering that literally nine times out of ten, if we see... Parker and Elliot, they're both wearing, like, jeans and a flannel shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, Elliot looked so Winchester-coated in this episode, and actually so did Parker. I was like, dang, look at these two. Look at these two. It was really funny for me. So what I wanted to talk about while we're talking about Nate and Sterling, mm-hmm. drink theory. Yes, I did note. Because Sterling, Sterling gives him, him the, the stuff, glass. but Nate pours the drink. Nate pours the drink. And then he drinks from the flask. He doesn't drink from the... So he's taking Sterling's deal and flipping it on its head. Oh. Oh. The symbolism there. I was too busy writing my note to notice that he drank from the other... Oh, that's annoying. I was like, yes, I'm onto this. And then I didn't even see the... Oh, I'm he so pour- glad that you so pointed that out to Sterling me. Sterling hands him the glass. Yeah. Sterling hands him the flask. Because he I was pours like, himself a drink into the glass and then he drinks from, from the, the flask. flask. I Because I was like, oh, so Sterling has given him the opportunity and Nate has made it his own by pouring it in. But I didn't even fucking but see him use the flask. doesn't take the opportunity because he drinks from the flask. He sort of creates this illusion of, like, yeah, he's going to complete the deal. He's going to drink from the glass that Sterling has handed him. And then he drinks from the flask. Which is just, like, completely subverting the expectation. Yeah. Oh, my God. The layers on this shit. The layers. Actually, this perfectly segues into one thing that I really, really wanted to talk to you about. Because I was watching that scene go down and I was in shock, right? Because I said to you episodes ago i like i at the point of recording i think the episode i said this to you in is already out yeah and i i don't remember which one it was but that means it has to have been in like sort of the earlier half of the season right and i said to you that i think that it's possible that they're going to put sophie in a situation where she either can choose to run away basically Mm -hmm. like get off scot-free or go down with the ship I have a feeling this was sort of in the 207, 208, 209 sort of space, right? Okay. When so- Sophie's plot lines really... Yeah, kicked off. So anyway, a few a few yeah. episodes back. And I was like thinking, you know, I think that Sophie, they, what they might do is put her in a scenario where, yeah, she can choose to save herself or she can choose to mm-hmm. stick with the team. And for her character, I think that will be a really key moment. And they basically gave us that exact scenario, but they didn't give it to Sophie. They gave it to Nate. And I was watching and I was like, I cannot believe that I was so correct in a completely wrong way. And it's so interesting because like watching it, I'm like, I get why they gave it to Nate. Because the entire season, Nate's been like distancing himself from the team. Yeah. Nate's been going, I'm not a thief. I'm not a criminal. I'm not like them. Yeah. Yeah. And like sort of trying to convince himself in his own mind that like he is still like a law abiding citizen somehow. Like... Yeah. He's just doing this until he get he finds a better way to help people. And so rather than because my thought that was that for Sophie, it would be something along the lines of like she would have to give up 
her backup plan of like running away, like she would have to sort of back down from that MO for the sake of the team and for the sake of, you know, yeah, for the team, being a team player and not running away and just sort of creating an all new life for herself. But for Nate, the decision is so much, so different because it's not about him choosing to stand by these people. It's him choosing to stand by himself. Like he is choosing to, like where for Sophie, it would have been a chance for her to reject her existing identity for Nate, it is a chance for him to embrace his new identity. And so it's so interesting because it, it equally applies. Like I would still argue it, if they had given Sophie this choice, it would have made narrative sense. Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense for both of them in exactly opposite ways. Mm-hmm. And that is just so fucking fascinating. Especially the fact that it comes off the back of, as Sterling puts it, you're not like them. You couldn't risk not being able to come back for this. Yeah. And it's like highlighting the way that Nate has ties to his past that the rest of the team just don't don't. have. And honestly, the way that he was looking at that fucking picture when he was calling Sophie. And what was actually really interesting about the framing of that was that the way that the camera was positioned kind of over Nate's shoulder and like the angle that you can see of the image, you can see Sam Mm -hmm. and you can see Maggie. Yeah. But you can't see Nate's, like, stick figure as clearly, like, it's kind of obscured. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that he is looking at this picture of Sam and Maggie that was obviously done by Sam and telling, trying to tell Sophie that he loves her and not being able to get it out. Yeah. I was like, God, there is just so much happening here. And also, he's drinking. Like, he's not sober doing this either, no. which is, like, a whole other, like, clouding of judgment situation going on. And it's just... Like, they really fucking pulled out all the stops with this one in terms of Nate specifically. I feel like I was not expecting a Nate-centric season finale. I really was expecting a Sophie-centric one, especially because last season was already a Nate-centric season finale. So I am intrigued that I don't feel like – I don't want to say I feel like they missed an opportunity because I do think what they did was really good and really important. But I am surprised that they didn't choose to have Sophie be more of a focus. Yes. Because this is also Sophie's return. And Sophie's return is kind of immediately and pretty significantly overshadowed by the fact that Nate's been shot, Nate's turning himself in, and Nate just got slapped by Sophie. Mm. Like, even the kiss is kind of not so much about Sophie as it is about Nate. Because he's, like, finally making the move you know and she's there obviously but it's about him taking that step and acknowledging the thing that's going on between them and it's just so it's it's such a choice sophie's plot line in this is so much more understated like than nate's and like it's really easy to miss sort of like the significance of this for sophie because it is overshadowed by the fact that Nate's a dramatic bitch and everything has to be about him. <laughs> because, yeah, exactly. like, when you actually think about it, like, this is a Sophie-heavy episode because she made the incredible decision that finding herself and sort of going through that journey of self-discovery was ending because the team needed her. Like, and that the team was a thing that gave her a sense of identity and purpose mm. and the team was her family and that no no amount of soul searching would ever like replace that. Replace that. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, while we're in a bit of a limbo between topics, yeah, I do just really quickly want to point out one of my favorite lines from the episode, mm-hmm. which is well, it's not really a line. It's like a, a little tiny snippet of a scene. The the mayor calls Kajik, goes, "They killed my FBI handlers." And they chopped him up into tiny pieces in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Kajit goes, is this true? And Ned goes, to be fair, he did most of the cutting. And it's just a lovely scene because it's like... I love that Elliot says, thank you, I appreciate it. That's like, the bit that gets me. And then like, Nate thank you for giving me credit. And then Nate immediately comes back with, well, you work hard. Like, yeah, it's so funny. It's like, I, I also love that Kajit calls him Mr. Git. I, it's so... <laughs> I love that that was the alias I assume he picked for himself. Yeah. Like, it's so funny to me. Like, you're right. Lionel you are Gitt, Mr. Git. Lionel Git is like cousins with Jimmy Papadopoulos. Like, <laughs> like this, they're basically this, they're almost the same alias. It's just one's a lawyer. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, also, um, while we're on Elliot and his special skill set, 
I have a couple of points that I do want to make because mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed him in this episode. I love the moment where he carries Parker in and Nate says to put her in the tub with the others. I just think it's so funny. He's like, she saw our faces. I'm like, this is phenomenal. I love that. Uh, I also love uh, the counting down of the gunman. I think that yes. is very fun. It's it's just perfect. But what I really do want to talk about is the line when Nate, Elliot, and Parker are standing at this quite close to the start of the episode and they're standing by that fence and Nate is like coming up with a plan and like yeah. whatever. And Elliot is like, no, like, no, I have a problem with this. And he has the line. Um, Cause Nate tells him like, walk yeah. away then like walk away. If you don't want to do it, then walk away. And he says, my job isn't to walk away. My job is to get you back. And I'm going to do that Nate. And I was like, this is so interesting. Like we don't often get Elliot, talking back in that mm. way like not so sincerely yeah normally if we get Elliot talking back it's more of a like a, an angry jab or like yeah he's ha- taking the piss but this was so genuine and so sincere like no my job is to make sure that everyone comes home safe that is my job me walking away right now is the opposite of my job yeah and I was like I love that it just came across so sincere I think is the only way I can think to put it. And then we also have Parker in oh, this episode, who she on. does have the line, um, be, be Nathan the... Ford, be the person we came back for. Yeah. But also, that is a little too close to emotional vulnerability for Parker, so she can't even look at him when she says it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, and she hugs Sophie she at the does. end of the episode. Sorry, I just remembered, like, talking about Parker and emotional vulnerability, and she hugs Sophie at the end, and it's so cute. And Sophie's like, oh, like, Parker's, like, touching, and she's like, yes. It's it's so cute. And then while we're talking about Parker, let's talk about Parker and the um, opposite of emotional vulnerability. She is ready to drop Tara off that fucking roof. She genuinely, like, no joke, went for the fucking throat. Mm-hmm. Like, and you see the turn. Like, kudos to Beth Ricegraff. Yeah. She, like, you see it in her face. The moment where she's like, I'm going to end this chick. She's like, I am going to throw her off a building. And I was like. She's so mad because she liked Tara. Mm-hmm. She's like, I like Tara. I trusted Tara. And now Tara's betraying me. So she is like. Yeah. And, and it's not just that Tara is betraying her personally. Tara is betraying everyone. And it's like, mm, mm. I do, I am glad. Look, when they first introduced Tara, I was like, I just feel like they're going to use this to introduce tension to the mm-hmm. team. I still stand by that. As and a, they did use Tara to introduce tension to the team. Just not in the way I was expecting. No. <laughs> but And I stand by my initial predictions because I do think that they still make sense. Yes. No, and that's but, that's absolutely a, a sort of road the show could have gone down. Yeah. But I am really glad that we didn't have that for exactly one reason. And that one reason is that I really like Tara. Yeah. I really love the actress's portrayal. I really yeah. love her as a character. I think she's very fun. And I'm glad that the way that this episode left off leaves room for her to come back in oh, later she does. seasons. Yeah. We will see her again. She and doesn't just completely drop off in the face of it. Amazing. Because that is probably the only thing where, like, if they had gone down the road that I was thinking that they would earlier in the season, yeah. it would have meant that we probably, like, we would have got to the end of the season, it would have been, like, revealed, oh, no, Tara, like, the big bad, and then... Either she dies... Or is or defeated somehow. she's defeated somehow, and then if she's defeated somehow, the chances of her coming back is she's maybe going to come back in, as an adversary. Yeah. Rather than as an ally. So exactly. it's, like, it's fun that they've left... They, they did really leave it open for her to sort of, like, pop in at any time. Like, all she needs to be doing is scamming the same mark that they want to scam, like... Like, Tara could reappear in any episode. Yeah. She's a little bit like Sterling in that, just in an ally sort of sense rather than an adversarial sort of sense. Yeah. But I do love Tara and I do love – I just love the line from Parker of – Tara goes, you're really strong. And she's like, yeah, I hang off buildings by my fingertips. Yeah. Because I feel like that kind of goes unsaid through the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. But, like, I do love, like, just that sort of recognition that Parker is just as strong as Elliot – but in a different way. Yeah, she's like, lean because it's, it's like rock climbing. Yeah. Like, you typically are, like, lean and flexible, mm-hmm. but fucking mega strong. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just want to make a quick shout-out to the scene when Tara and Parker are driving away, 
And Tara's like, you know, for a moment there, I really thought you were going to throw me off that building. And Parker's like, haha, that's so silly. And I'm like, Parker 100% would have thrown you off of that building. I, she would have, yeah, she would have done it. Like, I love Parker, you know, sweet little bean. She would have thrown you off that building. And she would have walked off and been like, I made the right call. <laughs> you know, like... Not to bring it back to Supernatural for a second, but it kind of reminds me of what we've just seen with Cass, how he's just been reprogrammed. It's like that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm telling you, Parker and Cass would be besties. But then we get the delightfully awkward, I'm in the car with the person I just threatened to murder scene. We also get that with Cass. Which is also (laughs) a fucking car ad. (laughs) Oh my god, the number of car ads in this motherfucking show. It's, a, it's not something that I was expecting, but its I think it's funny that it's carried on from the first season. I do think it's quite fun. Uh, actually, while we're on Parker being cascoded, I do want to very quickly touch on her and Hardison, like, in the hotel and, like, the porn comes on the TV. And Parker's like, wow, she really wants that car clean. Mm-hmm. And then Hardison is like, and eh, that's enough of that. We get... Such a similar shot. Like, such a similar scenario in Supernatural. It's quite hilarious. Also, this episode, Queer Parker. Like, the way that, like, her and Elliot share, like, the look when Tara's naked. Yes. Oh, my God. First of all, right, on this, my very first note of this episode after the title of it was Tara looks so good. In that, like, in the from what she was wearing last mm. episode, I can't remember if I talked about it. So I was like, I have to talk about yeah. it. Is, like, the skirt mm-hmm. and that, like, purpley, maroney shirt yeah. colour. It's so good. She looked amazing. And then she just, like, got naked. And, yeah, and both Parker and Elliot are, like, peering around the corner. And then they, like, look at each other. And then they, like, go back. It was so good. It was so funny. I was like, this is peak. I, it's great. I was very there for it. Mm-hmm. I do think it is. And then you funny. get Parker when they walk into the hotel room and like um, Hardison and they have finally rejoined them. Uh-huh. She, gets she was naked. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed. Uh, we also do get the gem of a line, which is Indie Panties Day. I must have missed that. So they're talking about the dude who was in the room before them and they're like, oh, right, 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 right. Yes, yes. And they're going through all his weird charges yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to talk about the, not their hotel room. I want to talk about two things about the mayor. Yeah. Right. Okay. So first of all, number one, I do think that maybe the FBI should have thought to clear out the alcohol from the mini fridge that they left their witness. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like maybe he should not have been allowed to down bottles of tequila. Yeah. You know, it seems a bit not great, especially if they had to move him at short notice or something, or if he gave himself, I don't know, alcohol poisoning. You know, seems like a poor decision on their part. But second of all... The inherent comedy of this man running out of a shipping container in his bathrobe, <laughs> thinking that he's supposed to be going into a hotel. So funny. So fucking funny. It's just peak. While we are talking about the hotel, we do need to talk about the elevator scene. Oh my god, yes. So I... <laughs> it's so... Nate is such a pity bitch. And I love it so much. And I love near the end, you can see they're both giving up. Like, Sterling losing his fucking mind in that elevator. That's like gaslighting, but take it to the nth degree. It's so funny. Every, like, I, I trying to imagine being Sterling in that scenario. Yeah. And I can imagine that, much like Sterling, the first couple of times it happens, I'd be like, huh, um, weird. Yeah. But then, yeah, by the 13th time, I'd be like, for fuck. Honestly, at that point, I would have just gotten out. I would have been like, I'm just going to fucking walk. It would be <laughs> faster. <laughs> and obviously then Nate would have been screwed. But, but it is so fun. And like, the fact that he's so exhausted by the time he's hitting those last couple of buttons that he is barely clearing the elevator door before. But also, Sterling is so fucking like, oh my fucking god, at this I point. Rate. But he's like, he's not even bothering to check anymore. He's just jamming the button. He's just jamming the button close. He's like, for fuck's sake. Yes, it's so peak comedy. Whoever came up with that as a concept, genius, love that for you. And we get, like, not one, but two instances of the Sterling Appears music this episode. Mmm. Iconic. 
Yes. Just wanted to note it because I love Sterling's entrance music. I did not notice it. I'm going to be real with you, but I believe you that it was there. So <laughs> trust. Trust. Oh, I do want to do a special little shout out mm-hmm. to Hardison being stuck in that harness. Yeah. I do think it's very fun, yeah. very entertaining. I love when Parker and Hardison have to try and do the things that each other do yeah. and realize that they can't. Mm-hmm. I just think that's very fun. Also, it proves that Hardison's literally no- learned nothing from the fairy godparents' job yeah. when he did the exact same thing and he got tangled then as well. Mm-hmm. We also get the really, again, I'm just going back to that awkward scene with Tara and Parker in the car. That's also a car ad. Mm-hmm. And the moment of like, I really thought you were going to drop me in. Parker's like, haha, yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually get some stellar stuff from Parker in this episode. Like, the when before they drop into the FBI building, and Parker is saying, like, no one's ever died from dropping down an air shaft or whatever. And then she goes on to be talking about, like, the worst that could happen is you could fall, break your legs, lie there for days, scratching at the metal. And then she says, it's like a, a long, long metal, metal coffin, coffin with, with wind. wind. And I started piercing myself because I was like, well, we know she loves air. Like, I I was losing. I was like, that is so funny. And, like, the delivery, again, kudos to Beth Reisgraf. She did so well with that just because it's not even a punchline but it feels like and then she just turns around and she goes let's go it's like she's so excited she loves the vents yeah oh and you know it's oh it's just so fun it really is oh i do have a logistical question for you Mm -hmm. so a big part of the plot is that there is no reception in the bottom of the boat where the guns are. Right. right. And that's why Elliot can't get yeah. the contact out and blah, blah, blah. He has to go for a walk. But at no point does Kajsik have issue with reception in the bottom of the boat. Like, and he and his team are calling back and forth. He's getting, he got a call from the mayor. That's how he knew that Nate was like talking shit and stuff. So I'm kind of confused about why Elliot could have no reception and why Hardison made the point of having poor reception when Kajsik was able like does he just have better phone coverage yeah because like one of them's with Telstra one of them's with Optus and someone else is with Vodafone like I so whoever's with Optus is fucked because they've got no personal (laughs) phone yeah whoever's with Optus is screwed because um all of their personal details have been sold online yeah no it's uh yeah I I was just confused by that and I'm gonna nitpick it because honestly there's not much I can nitpick about leverage. So when they give me an opportunity to do yeah. it, I can't very well pass it up. I think it's honestly just like different type of phone or different like cell reception. I just whatever. I just think it's silly that also, they would make I, such I'm a pretty sure we it. don't ever see... Yeah, because we only see the one cool made below deck to Kajik. No. Two. Two that I can think of. So he gets the call from the mayor and he also But calls... he's above deck then. No, he's not. They're still down below with the guns because that's when he finds out that Nate is uh, talking Oh, yeah. Shit. No, sorry. I was thinking of the other call. Yeah. No. no. So he gets – the first yeah. call he gets from the mayor is when Hardison is pretending yeah. to drill him to death and then he thinks the mayor is, like, dead or whatever. Yeah. The next call he gets is the one under deck where he learns that Nate is trying to pull one over on him. Yeah. And then he also makes a call to one of his other guys – when they have Elliot and he says, just kill him. Yeah. Like, so it's two calls across three phones that are able to be made in that place yeah. where theoretically the reception is so bad that even Hardison can't overcome yeah. it, which just seems silly because even if you are talking about different networks, like, there are ways to make it Are we it meant so to that... believe that Hardison's not on the best bloody one? Like, Well, it's also, like, are we meant to believe that Hardison wouldn't be able to, like, you know how if you call triple zero, it'll go to whatever, like, whatever your closest... Cell tower is regardless of... No, cell tower... For triple zero, it is for your provider. But if you have... If you call 212, that will go to the nearest cell tower regardless of Mm. provider. It's also a free call. Do you know you have to pay to call triple zero? Yeah, that's the face I fucking made. Yeah. So if you're in Australia and you have to have to call emergency services, you're better off calling 212 than triple zero because 212 is a free call and it'll go to whichever provider has the best signal. Triple zero will only go to whichever signal your provider has in that area. So you'd think that Hardison, with all of his abilities, would be able to make it so that Nate's phone will just use whatever the best reception is available. Yeah. Like you'd think. Because it is possible, clearly. So... Yes, that that I'm going to nitpick. That I'm going to be like, it seems weird that they made it a whole point to only kind of negate it entirely for another significant plot point. 
That is weird. It would be. It would have made more sense if it had come through like on a radio or something. Yeah, like if they had walkie talkies. Yeah. Rather than mobiles, like that would. That would have made more sense, but oh, they make sorry. it on a regular. I do just want to very quickly say sorry. It's not two one two. It's one one two. Is okay. the number one one two? Okay. Sorry, I just wanted to Google that and make sure that I wasn't giving out fake information. But yeah, it just seems weird. We also do get Parker saying, "This is hopeless and it smells." Oh my god! And yes, then we get she's the really fixating on the fact that it smells. Briny despair. Yeah, I I did love that. I wanted Tara say it was Tara. I feel like Tara also gave us the description. Something shoe, someone shoe, a clown shoe, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't, didn't note that one down, but yeah, she does make a something about how it smells like shoes. Yeah, I do think it's funny that that is like worth noting to Parker. She's like, I am disgruntled, and also it's stinky here. Um, I also do love the fact that Sterling literally gives them the way that they beat Sterling, because Sterling says all of my evidence is sitting just waiting in an FBI locker. Yeah, I was confused about what they were doing with that. I was like, why is Tara at the FBI? What is happening? And then when we get the reveal, I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Also, that poor, like, evidence guy. I love him. I love him. He is underappreciated. And do you know what? Probably underpaid. Yeah. He's just so sweet. Yeah. He reminds... Oh, my God. Do you know what? He reminds me of the doorman from The Good Place with the frogs. Yeah. That is exactly yeah. who he reminds mm-hmm. me of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone should bring him a frog and see yeah. what that does to his psyche. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that should be a government-funded uh, experience for him. Oh, I do want to point out that Sterling specifically says it's Sterling, like the machine gun, not the mm-hmm. engine. Which is hilarious because isn't Winchester's also like the, the gun, gun and not the engine? Yes. I also thought that was funny, but I've already promised I won't talk about Supernatural and I also already broke that rule and I thought I better not do it again. So, yes, I did also note that and it did also make me giggle. I'm sure you also really heavily enjoyed because we get a Hardison accent this episode. Yes. Yes, I did enjoy that quite a bit. We all know that I love when Hardison does little acting bits. Mm-hmm. I also love it when Elliot puts his hair up. So I was having a lovely time this episode. Oh, also, okay, I need your help because I'm yep. going insane. At the end of the episode, after Nate, he's wearing like the all black, right? Mm-hmm. And my note says he's dressed like that dude from that movie I hate because I can't remember the character's name and I can't remember the movie, but I just know that I hate it and I need your help. <laughs> all it's making me think is Matrix. That's the one. The dude, Neo. Neo? Is that his name? Played by Keanu Reeves. Yes! Him! That's what Nate looked like. Okay. He looked like a knockoff Keanu Reeves as Neo in the Matrix. Thank you so much. I love that you got that from my note. (laughs) I do want to, while we're talking about costumes, talk about the fucking costume significance of Nate. Mm Mm-hmm. He starts the suit in basically all white. He's all beige. He's all white. The only thing different is the blue tie. Uh Uh-huh. Because we made the joke last week that he looks kind of like a cast knockoff. Yeah. He ends the episode in all black. Like a thief. He went from the white knight to the black king. Oh! God, I fucking love the chess shit in this show. Like, I, it really makes me want to learn more about chess, you know? Like, oh my god, okay. Here's how much I love that. It really lends significance to the ending scene. Because... A little bit of lift the curtain. Jamie actually got here like five minutes before I finished the episode. So we watched the last couple of scenes together. And you made the joke about how you think it's funny that for a man who's literally like half lying on the ground, shot and handcuffed to a fence, that they need like four fucking teams of FBI agents all with guns trained for this one fucking incapacitated man. Like, you know, it just seems like overkill. And... You're right, and I laughed along when you said that, but now that you've made the point about the chess, it's made me think of when you sacrifice, like, one chess piece to save the rest. And obviously, mm-hmm. if you sacrifice the king, you lose the game. But also, but I argue that Nate's not actually the king. They just use the... The metaphor. The metaphor. But, like, it does remind me of, like, when you have, like, your chess pieces, like, surrounded... And you sacrifice one for the sake of the others escaping. Like, I just, I think that that is so interesting. It's, oh, 
stew on that for a minute. Also, that scene reminds me of a meme, but I can't think of what the meme's actually called. All I know is it's that one where the dude's like, and he's like, it looks like he's kind of falling over, but it's like, yeah. you know the meme I'm talking about. Yeah, I know the meme you're talking about. Do you about. know what it's called? No. This one. This fucking one. Oh, that is not the one I was thinking of. Because that, that, that he's kind of sitting like. Yeah. What one are you thinking of? I don't know. I just feel like I've seen a meme of someone going like, <gasps> you know. So for reference, the one that I'm thinking of is that meme where you've got the kid who dressed up like a clown for his like family picture or whatever, and he's just standing in front of them and that sort of almost the exact same pose that Nate's just chilling in at the end. Of. Yeah, yeah. So it's like not actually that accurate, but that that is that is what I think of every time I look at that scene. And I, yeah, fun fact about me. <laughs> okay. I also, I feel like we kind of really glossed over this, but I do love the fact that, yes, Tara betrayed the team. Because you predicted it, Tara's going to betray the team. But yeah. Tara betrays the team for Sophie. Mm. Like, she's not betraying the team to try and, like, save her skin or anything like that. She was put there by Sophie to be an early warning system. She's yeah. essentially, she's in every way Sophie's standing, and she's in that position so that when Nate goes too far, because Sophie knew after the first couple of episodes without her that Nate was going to go too far and he didn't have anyone else there who was going to be able to pull him out on his bullshit. Yeah. So you do see in this episode, Elliot tries, but also at the end of the day, Elliot is not, like, in terms of the structure of the team, Elliot's not in a position where he can call out Nate on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. So he can try to call out Nate on his bullshit, but nine times out of ten it doesn't really work. Nate listens to him and respects his opinion, but doesn't necessarily always believe him when he goes, you are going too far. I think Nate, and actually, I was about to make a point, Mm -hmm. and then I realised that I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to make it anyway, and I'm going to maybe elaborate. So I think that Nate respects the team in general, like individually, like the people involved, and also the team collectively. I think he appreciates their opinions on their crafts. Yeah. I don't think he appreciates their opinions on him as a person. Like, I think that Sophie is the only one that he will really accept, like, a personal critique from. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think, like, if Parker was like, oh, actually, like, there's a better way to crack this safe, or if, like, Elliot was like, hey, like, don't forget about, like, this XYZ ambush tactic or whatever, I think he would take that on board. But if any of them were to be like, hey, you've gone too far, and, like, we've seen this, we've seen them be like, hey, like, you know, you sh- you're drinking again and hey this and hey that. Like, he doesn't really – it doesn't sort of get through to him the same way, whereas if Sophie says it, mm. it's different. He listens to her opinion on him as a person, not just her opinion on, like, the con. And I realise, like, saying that, I think in these last couple of episodes, we really have barely seen him give them credit even on the cons. Yeah. Like, he's just really not listening – to anyone, like even the end of last episode, and actually I am a little disappointed because the end of last episode, I said that I really, really, really wanted them to address the fact that particularly Hardison was so pissed off and we just didn't. Like, I feel like he walks off pissed at the end of this episode, but I kind of wish, like, because Nate has that line where he's like, you can have a, you can have a bitch about me all you want, but like, let's like priorities, let's get yeah. out of here. And then I'm like, but we don't. Mm. And now they're split up and it's like, well, now we don't know if they're going to, if Hardison is actually going to get a chance to voice those frustrations. And I'm like kind of thinking about going into the next season. I'm like the track record of leverage and having like arguments or whatever that aren't actually followed up. Like I'm, I'm thinking that they probably aren't going to pick it up. And that is annoying because I think that it's a very valid frustration and I think that Nate needs to hear it needs to listen to it and actually needs to address it not just verbally with like an apology but also with his actions and like maybe he will like maybe he'll sober up and like we'll sort of have Nate going into season three being more similar to the Nate of early season two like maybe we'll get that but I really really want to see a resolution to Hardison's anger yeah because Parker and Elliot are pissed but Hardison is refusing to get in the car. Like, he is fucked off. And we've not really seen him mad before. Yeah. Not like this. So I am disappointed that we didn't get to see him confront Nate or have Nate try to apologize in any way for, like, Lucille, for mm. starters, you know. And so I, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they don't address it in season three just because of the track record of we've had team arguments before that are literally just like begin off screen, occur, like happen throughout the episode and then are just never fucking addressed again. But I will be kind of annoyed. Yeah. Because I think it's important for the characters. I think it's important for Nate, especially considering we've just had this moment where he's like, oh, I'm recognizing in myself that I am a thief. I am a part of this team and more than just their like ringleader kind of thing. Mm And I think it's important for Harrison because I think it's important that he gets to voice his upset, you know, and gets to voice like, hey, I think you overlook me. Hey, I think that you are disregarding my emotional connection to these things that you're just so willy-nilly asking me to destroy. And also, we shouldn't have had to. Like, my personal things should not have been in the line of fire in the first place. They are only here because you were being rash and because you weren't listening and because you don't care about the risk that the rest of us are putting in. And so, like, and that comes back to the fact that he's drinking. So, basically, very long-winded explanation, but I hope that Hardison gets to address his anger and frustration with Nate. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. No comment on the second half of that, but I do want to quickly touch base on where you started with that, which is about Nate not accepting criticisms on him. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that's not how I see it. I see it more as... Nate doesn't want to give up control. So any any threat to like his control or authority, especially when he's drinking, he takes personally. So even if it's like the professional thing of like Elliot being like, you've put us in a shit situation, this is risky for a whole number of reasons, Mm -hmm. you should have known better. He doesn't see that as a personal attack. He sees that as an attack on his authority authority and control, which he then takes personally, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like it's less about sort of like, oh no, boohoo, that hurt his feelings and more It hurt his pride or his it ego. It hurt his ego, it hurt his pride. Yeah. No, I agree. And so that's that's at least how I see it. I to be fair, I think the points are very similar. Yeah. It's just like the little bit of context that makes it different. But yeah, my, my point still stands, which is that he doesn't listen to the rest of the team the way that he listens to Sophie. Yeah. And particularly he's not gonna listen to them about stuff that is more like the drinking. Like he will yeah. listen to Sophie about that more than he will listen to anyone else. I really quickly want to address the line, I can feel you thinking, Sterling, but don't bother. Yeah. Nate has planned this out. Like Sterling Maybe got a little bit lazy, got a little bit sloppy, assumed that he had the upper hand and was sort of relying on the upper hand and was relying on this preconceived notion he had of Nate. Yeah. That Nate was going to betray the team to save himself. Yeah. I think that you're on the money. Like, I think that Nate and Sterling have this interesting understanding of each other that is based in not necessarily who they are now, but who they are when they used to work more. Who they were. Yeah, when they used to work more or less for the same people, mm. like, and in the same way. Like, they have an idea of each other, but they work apart for the majority of the time now, and they both have new experiences. Like, Sterling worked with Interpol now. Like, that's a whole other fucking thing, you know? And Nate has obviously been working with the team, and they're not always working together or opposing each other. So I think that they've both had enough experiences and have enough different, not... Like, enough different motives now and different, like, ideas on who they are and what they're doing and why that I think that they don't actually understand each other as well as they used to. Mm. Especially when it comes to, like, yeah, obviously Sterling doesn't realise that Nate's perception of himself and who he is has changed quite significantly. Because, yeah, his entire plan was hinging on Nate's identity as not a thief. Mm -hmm. And then we obviously get Nate being like, well, actually... If anything, you've convinced me that, in fact, I am. Uno reverse. Yeah, literally. Okay. Well, they were all of the points that I wanted to make today. Did you have anything else that you'd like to add? No. My maybe, like, final note is bye, Tara. Like, (laughs) bye. She just kind of, like, I did think that they're playing my song and she decides to split off. I, here's the thing. I said earlier that I feel like Sophie's return was kind of overshadowed by Nate's dramatic sacrifice. I also think that Tara's leaving was overshadowed. Like, mm. I, it generally feels like they kind of did, like, a tap out. Like, you know that thing where, like, when you play games when you're a kid and you, like, run over to someone who's on the sideline, you tap their shoulder and, like, they're in. Yeah. And you just, like, swap and you're, like, you're on the bench for a little bit or whatever if you need to catch your breath or however it works. That's kind of how it felt. It kind of felt like there was no significant acknowledgement of the fact that Sophie was back not like in the 
or at least not as significant as I would have expected. Like, yeah. she gets, gets a hug from Parker and everyone's like, oh my god, Sophie. And she's like, yes, hello. And then that's kind of it until they leave. And, like, Tara just kind of subs out. Like, yeah. it's kind of, like, literally, like, Sophie gets back, she taps Tara on the shoulder, Tara's like, cool, and then she goes to sit on the bench. Yeah. And I do think that that's a bit of a shame. Like, I'm glad that they had the whole thing with Nate and his, like, reckoning with his identity. I think it's important, but I do think that it did overshadow both Sophie's arrival and Tara's departure. Yeah. I wish that we could have spent a little bit more time on those things because especially for Sophie coming back, that's quite monumentous. Mm. For her character, yeah. beyond anything else, you know, forget the team. Like, just for Sophie as an individual, that's massive. And, yeah, anyway, that's probably my last little bit that I wanted to... Lovely. Say. So with that out of the way, how would you rate this week's episode out of five? I think... Here's the thing. There are some things about this episode where I'm like, four, 4.5 out of five. Yeah. There are some things about this episode where I'm like, oh, I'm just a bit disappointed, which I'm, I'd be like, okay... Mm. And, like, the thing is, I don't want to give it a bad rating. Like, and I won't give it, like, a bad rating. Like, I'm not going to give it a two or a one or something. But, like, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. The last few I've been pretty, like, confident in, like, oh, it's, like, you know, this. This one, I'm really, I'm really hovering between, like, a three Mm -hmm. and a a four. But I I can't give it a 4.5, I don't think, just because I didn't personally enjoy it enough to give it a 4.5. And that's fair enough. But I, I just feel like there was some stuff that was so great and so important and some stuff that I was like, I just, I'm disappointed mm. that that didn't get the attention that I wanted it to. Mm. Like Hardison's anger, like Sophie's return, like Tara's departure, like, you know, those significant character things outside of it. Like, here's the, here's the thing, and this is where I'm going to dock points. Mm-hmm. For a season that felt so much about Sophie... And arguably, yes, Nate too. Yeah. But we had our Nate season. We yeah. had our Nate point. Last the entirety of last season was Nate. Yeah. And I was so excited to have Sophie. And I was so convinced that, you know, we were going to get Sophie back and it was going to be like... A big thing. Not even necessarily a big thing for the episode, but a big thing for Sophie. Mm. Like, she's been gone so long and the whole point was, you know, her going to figure herself out and, like, you know, see who Sophie or whoever, whatever her real name is beyond the aliases and... Not only does she come back, but she comes back in an alias, and it's an alias that we already know as well, so it doesn't feel... And I hope that they address this next season, and they very may will, may very well do it, but it feels like she didn't grow. It feels like we've missed all of this time without Sophie, and she came back and she nothing has changed for her. And that kind of feels reductive, and it feels like a disservice to her arc of the season and again like with Hardison's anger I hope that they address it next season so what you're basically saying is there's every chance we could get the payoff for Sophie's growth sometime next season but that feels ridiculous considering it should have been paid off in this episode yes like especially considering and you you said to me even before we were doing this podcast that one of the things about leverage is that they don't do like cliffhangery endings on their season finales they just don't and I would argue that this one is kind of this like, is the cliffhanger. It's the it's cliffhanger adjacent. Yeah, but also like it is the closest thing we get to a cliffhanger in the entire show. Yeah, but like if this like I could understand at the end of season one, like yeah, like I could see how you could stop watching the show here and have it be like a complete ending. This, it, uh, like it feels it feels silly. Yeah, that we would not wrap up Sophie's arc here. Yeah. Because now it's going to run into next season. Mm. And it doesn't feel like it should. Yeah. Like, Sophie's arc should, like, for this particular issue, should have culminated in her return. Yeah. And now she's returned. And... and Sort of by the nature of the way she returned, they didn't actually address anything. Anything. Because she returned, we see her for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And those entire 15, 20 minutes, she's Annie Croy. Yeah. Or she is there for the sake of Nate's emotional arc. Yeah. And I'm like, for fu- we already did this. And so I don't know. I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give it a 3.5. Okay. I'm okay. gonna give it a three point there are things that I really liked. There are things that I was really disappointed mm-hmm. by, and I'm kind of left frustrated. Yeah. Which is, I was really, really looking forward to watching this episode, and I knew that you were really looking forward to, like, talking to me about it, and I want to, like, stress, 
I didn't not like it. Oh, I also want to stress that I was excited for you to watch this episode, not because I thought you were going to like it and not because I think it's like, you know, the best season finale of all time. Like, I think it's a very solid season finale. I was excited because there are so many things that you had picked up on through the season yeah. that become relevant here and, like, you do get a decent whack of payoff for a lot of the things that you'd said that you would have liked to see. Yeah, but again, like, this is the thing, like, a lot of the stuff that I – that did come to pass that I was excited about was stuff that happened to Nate that I was expecting for Sophie. Yeah. And I just feel like for some reason at the last minute, they have taken so much stuff that could have gone to Sophie and would have made sense and would have really felt cohesive with her arc. And they gave it to Nate and it still made sense. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I I like that it made sense for entirely different reasons, but I'm also like, okay, but what about Sophie? Mm. What about Sophie? Because she did. She got essentially the same choice, but it was off screen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? She could stay clear of this and avoid all of it, or she could return. Yeah. Like, put herself in an unsafe position to save the team. But But the magnitude of that is so overshadowed because we don't actually see that choice. We don't see the turmoil for her. Like, we But we do get the scene with Sterling and Nate where we get the... The ultimatum. Yeah. And we do get the dramatic scene at the end where Nate, you know, tells them to save themselves and blah, 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 and he makes a sacrifice and stuff. And it's like, I just, it feels like a disservice to Sophie. Mm. I think that's the thing that's really bugging me about this episode. Like, I liked so much of it. But the thing that bothers me is that it is Nate-centric. And, like, I have liked Nate a lot of this season. So it's not even about the fact that I think he's annoying. It's just about the fact that, we it should have hate. been about Sophie. Yeah. To me, personally. I'm sure there are lots of people who think this episode is fantastic and they love it and no shade. It's just I don't think it makes sense to wrap up the season on Nate. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, good. Lovely. Well, the next episode is called The Jailhouse Job. Ooh. What do you okay. think it's going to be about? Well, I mean, I'm assuming... Like, Nate, at the end of this episode, is obviously in custody. Like, I assume he's going to be arrested. I assume the jailhouse is just prison. Mm -hmm. They may as well have called it the get Nate out of prison job. Yeah. You know. (laughs) So, if that's your prediction, how do you think they're going to try and get Nate out of prison? That That is sort of my question. I think they're going to try and do it legally. Mm -hmm. Which is fun. Yeah. I w- actually, what I would really love is mm-hmm. I would love to see a return of Lawyer Hardison. Mm-hmm. That would just make my yeah. make my life. I no, I think that they are going to. I think it would be fun if having Nate just sort of acknowledge to both himself and like externally as well that like he is a thief. I think it would be very fun for the team to then try and bust him out using the actual legal system as it stands. I just think that would be fun. Yeah, and also. Because Nate has gone in under his own actual name and not an alias, I think it makes more sense in terms of, like, them actually being able to continue doing what they're doing if they get him out in an actual legal way. Like, if they just break him out of prison, which they would be able to do, Mm -hmm. like, that's one thing. But then he's on the run and he can't use his name and, like, blah, blah, blah. If they get him out legally, Mm -hmm. like, through court and stuff, first of all, much harder for them to do... Second of all, it's more convenient ongoing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's my prediction. Okay. I don't know how accurate it is, but I'm going to go with it. That's okay. I I think next week's going to be interesting. Mm. I also think it would be really funny if they pull a Supernatural and, like, get a couple of the crew also arrested under aliases so that they, like, are in the prison with him. (laughs) You know, like, I do think that would be funny. But I'm not sure how it would work. Okay, lovely. They are some interesting predictions for next week. Thank you. We will. I you will I endeavor see. to be interesting, if nothing else. But thank you so much for watching. Thank you for spending your like morning, evening, night, day, midday, noon, lunch, two a.m., three a.m., midnight, whatever time of day it is where you are. Thank you so much for spending it with us. If you mm. want to interact with us at all, you can find us on. An incredible amount of social media platforms. Anywhere in the links below. They're all linked below for your convenience. (laughs) And if you want to talk to us at all, suggested topics of conversation include... Whether or not you liked this episode. Mm. Like, just, just quite genuinely, I would love to hear other people's thoughts because 
I I think that it was a good episode. I just think that it could have been better. And obviously, most people listening have probably seen the next season, so they know how any loose threads from this season get either tied up or not tied up at all. Yeah. Um, so obviously they have a bit of yeah. Please no spoilers. Yeah. But of, like, but just general generally. Were you satisfied with the way that they wrapped up this season? Yeah. I would be really, really intrigued to know because I'm sure there are a lot of... Because I would argue this is the only sides. season of Leverage where you can sort of end here and be satisfied. satisfied. Absolutely not. All the, all the other seasons you could pretty well... Like, they have, like, some cliffhangery elements, but they're not like they're not like this. They're not like Nate is shot. They're not like and... Nate is bleeding out on a dock and yeah. everyone else is getting in a helicopter and they're yeah. all fucked off with each other. They're more and like Tara the season one finale somewhere. where it's like, well they've decided to split up or Yeah. Like, you know, like that those sort of elements. Yeah. So no, I would just generally be interested, like, were you satisfied, yes or no, with this this season finale, you know? And then when we get to the end of the series we can have a bit more of an in-depth chat about it. Or at least maybe into season three. Yeah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh, my butt's going numb.